mm. has been man this weather has just been wiping me out um Tim, well we had uh, crazy heat wave since we since wave. we last uh, the the triple digit nutty thing even in even in even out in the malibu area where yeah. you are triple digits still Yes, still, but but th- I, I I should say thank you for coming out for our little documentary shoot over the weekend. Oh. It was great to uh, be with you and and uh, and a camera again. So uh, well, that was it was good to see you to see you too. You've been out. You yeah. came out here for something that we I did. did. I don't know what it you was. Know, we but, 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 but it was nice to, to get out. We haven't been booth. on a shoot. We haven't been on a shoot together in a long time. So that was no, nice. no, in a long time. It's a neat project. Are you going to mention what the project is? It's a neat project. I, not not going to mention it. Not going to mention okay. it yet. Yeah, want to want to get a little further along. Uh, uh, you know, uh, very very proud of our our namey director, who by the way is a director that we we only know because of this show. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, going back some years, but anyway, uh, no, but it's it's going to be very exciting when it all comes together. So uh, very 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 fun to be on a shoot again. Um, yeah, we've we've had some crazy uh, obits in the last little while. I mean, obviously the Queen, not a motion picture personality per se, but if you watch the movie The Queen, or if you watch The Crown, or <laughs> you know, she's sort of all over it, right? We've the, the, the subject of many, many, many motion pictures. Yeah, uh, that's that that's that's certainly true. Uh, and look, I, I I like that old Queen. I know that it's very it's all sort of controversial and all of this stuff now, uh, but it never has been for me. You and I are of an age where we are, are able to to you know look at the history of uh, of empire. Uh, uh, in the context of history, but also as a part of a little piece of history that we've lived. You know, if you were, if yeah. you were born in the sixties, you know, there was a whole lot of empire still out there yeah. in the sixties. And, yeah, and, 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 um, and, 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 and we sort of watched as these things sort of work their way into, into, into what they sort of are now and, and understood who, who, the, who the queen was and, and, and the way she worked, not to mention a whole lot of our media came from there and, and was shaped around that stuff. All those shows that I used to watch, the Avengers, the yeah. one with uh, McGregor, what's his name? Uh, uh, the uh, oh, uh, Prisoner. Yeah. The Prisoner. Yeah. You know, all, the, all, those, all those guys were at work for Queen and Country. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and it was, it was something like a thing. It's weird because I would never have imagined being as moved as I was. You know, it's 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 funny because you you do have to. You know, I mean, she was an amazing lady, and she never asked to be queen. No, <laughs> well, I mean, let's, wasn't even wasn't even supposed to be queen. Wasn't supposed oh. to be. Uh, it was the furthest thing from from her. But uh, you know, there she was, the the daughter of the brother of a king who abdicated, and then the daughter of a of a king who died early. And through those amazing circumstances, it was thrust upon her. And I mm. think that's what everybody looks at is this. This twenty-something girl who was a mechanic during World War II and rose to the occasion. Yeah, and, yeah, she um, wore it well. She wore it well. She did. Uh, um, so you know, that's we a- we we also lost Bernard Shaw, who I know is also kind of tangential to the the movie business. But I mean, a lot of us grew up watching Bernard Shaw. He was he was like our Walter Cronkite. You know, uh, he he grew CNN and he was that steady force. And he wasn't just a newsreader. He I, it, my, my, I mean, he was, he gave us comfort, you know, especially during that first Iraq war when he's hiding under the table in Baghdad and still reporting in just that calm, measured tone. Yeah. Like, uh, nothing to be afraid of. I'm just, I've just taken shelter, but I see shelling and somehow it made it feel okay. I mean, and just an amazing figure and uh, retired long before he needed to. 
It, well, and, 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 and frankly, I think that had Bernard Shaw stayed at CNN even longer, perhaps moved into the, into the, um, into the suites upstairs or something like yeah. that, rather than that CNN would not have become the place that CNN became. Now, I, CNN I is trying right. to become a, a different place, but CNN, the journalism that Bernard Shaw was doing was exactly that journalism. Yeah. Uh, all of this war room, you know, all the wacky crap that's yeah. on, you know, frankly, all of them, uh, but yeah. But, that that was not the CNN of Bernard Shaw. No, uh, he did the news, uh, and it was wonderful. And and when he went away, it's when it started to slip, and and, and you know a lot of he, things are going on there now. And he had that. a he had kind of a, a Cronkite quality to him because I remember very well, and we don't do video here, but I'll, I'll I'll show you exactly whenever they would go to a file story, and they'd come back, they'd come back to Bernard Shaw looking at the at the video like this. He'd, he'd sort mm. of be grabbing his chin in his mouth very, very thoughtfully. Yeah. And then after like a minute. <laughs> I'm, do, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. After like a minute, after, after just a second, he collected his thoughts and he would look back into the camera and carry on. But it was it was just that he, he was paying attention while we were paying attention. And yeah. um, it, uh, you know, it, it it was it was formative for me. It was formative. I, I, really I gained was. a whole new appreciation. I, I, you know, I teach a lot of journalism classes. I'm teaching a journalism class right now. Bernard Shaw and all of these periods when these people are sort of like, uh, you know, anchors for my class, uh, uh, pun intended. And, and, and one of the things that, that Bernard did, it goes back to Walter and, and, and some of the other folks, Eric Severide, uh, you know, yeah. they, they, they never begun a story as if, um, there wasn't already information. Uh, already things that were true, already things that were understood about what the story was. They started the story uh, with the new information, and then they they told you the new information. But they never they they, they didn't pretend like all the news in the world just happened right that moment. True, <laughs> and they're yeah. no, we already you, 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 yeah. you, they treated America the the the, the news uh, um, using public as as people who were paying attention. And yeah. already knew what was going on, understood things that were true, and 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 that all he all we were doing is bringing you the new information yeah. that we have about the subject. Yep. That's what that's what they were. That's what Bernard did. And uh, anyway, whatever. I'll be talking about him Tuesday in class. So there you go. Oh well, that'll that'll be a, that'll be a good class. That'll be a good class. We also who else who else did we lose? We lost John um, John Luke and and John Luke and 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 when you know, a lot of people you say John Luke and they think about Picard, uh, uh, but this yeah. is the first John Luke, and, uh, and, <laughs> and that other John Luke was was in some ways uh, it, it is in some ways a reference to this John Luke, and, and and Godard who had a really long and prosperous career, a lot of really really great films early on, and uh, and, and and what came became known came to be known as 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 the new wave, the breathless list, and and, and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. you know. Mostly, I think, you know, that all of that new language that he brought in uh, that we recognize that he and, and, and some of those guys brought into cinema, that's all great and wonderful. But mostly what I what I love about Jean-Luc Godard's life in cinema is that, it, it, is that he was always thinking. Yeah. Uh, he was always thinking, always thinking. Uh, uh, and, and, and the films got more and more sort of esoteric and abstract there toward the end. That was okay with me. None of that bothered me. Um, old people are reflective. They can't help it. 
And he's been <laughs> old for a long, long time. He's, he, what is he, 91? He was 91, yeah. 91. And, and apparently, apparently very, very ill. I was in Ray's class the other day, and Ray said that it was uh, actually an assisted suicide. Yes, I had would. not seen reported, but uh, that that makes me very sad too. And which and, is know, why I'm, he was in Switzerland, where where that's allowed. Yeah, and and he is Swiss originally. People should know he's yeah. he's technically associated with the French New Wave and 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 lived in France, but he is he is Swiss of origin. You know, I someday someone's going to make a great documentary about uh, the Truffaut Godard friendship and breakup and all that because yeah. they were they were mirror images of each other and yet indispensable in the same way. Your favorite Godard film? You have you have one? Oh, look, I, 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 I go to the classics. I'm a breathless man. I think that's beautiful. But Vive Savi, uh, just, you know, there, there, there are moments in that movie when he, when he, when he puts that camera, uh, uh, behind her head, behind Anna's head, right? And there's yeah. that whole scene that plays out from behind her head in that silhouette. Those moments like that, I can see why they, 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 they broke the mind of the film going audience up to that moment. Uh, uh, you know, that's just, that's just, that's just genius. And he did things yeah. like that all the time. Uh, and so there are these moments in all of these Godard films that I can, that I can point at and contempt. And then uh, a woman see, is a woman. Uh, but you know, but it's about those moments and the, mo- and the whole movies, like the complete movie, most of them don't really matter to me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, to be honest, I don't, I don't think yeah, about them, a, any of those movies point. as whole movies. It's that moment that's and this a, moment and that moment that that's I love. A great point. I mean, for me, you know, I again, I'm I'm far less of a fan, I think, than most people. Uh, but contempt is pretty much the the peak for me. I really think contempt is where it all comes together. That's the complete film, and uh, especially because it was filmed at Chinichita. Mm. And because Jack Palance is such a lunatic. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, what a weird statistic. Like Jean-Luc Godard once directed Jack Palance. Who knew? Yeah. It's just a very strange, strange thing, but yet somehow appropriate at the same time. Um, yeah. Well, mm. And then we also we also lost Irene Pappas, uh, yeah, great Greek actress and singer, actress. Zorba the Greek and Z. She was 93. So beautiful. Um, and, and you know, uh, again, um, how old was Irene here? Not, hey, 93. 93. So, so you know, um, uh, I got... These all the ones we're talking about now, ninety this, ninety that, ninety good long solid runs. And and, and though I, I I you know look I I hate all of that I I hate the area, but I, something about them having those good long solid runs gives me some sort of solace. I can't. You know, I, I agree. I I agree. And Pappas was 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 involved. She was active right to the very end. I mean, she made not too many years ago uh, a couple of albums with Vangelis, which are just extraordinary and exquisite. I mean, they're mm. you know it's like some of the greatest classical music of the past you know fifteen twenty years. Amazing stuff. And then uh, we also lost a great jazz musician. Oh, Ramsey. Yeah. Ramsey Lewis, um, um, uh, who, uh, you know, aside from being one of the great jazz musicians of, of, of his era, he was one of the first jazz guys. Uh, I'm in with the in crowd. That, yeah. That's Ramsey. That's yeah. like 1965. He was one of the first jazz guys to really pop on the pop charts. Uh, and, and though he didn't do a whole lot of scores as a composer, his music and soundtracks, uh, crosses the ages. Uh, so, so you'll find, uh, you know, great music, including that in crowd song, just all across, 
uh, the ages uh, uh, coming out of New York and uh, the, the French team, the mighty Aphrodite. It's just Ramsey Lewis music all over the place. So uh, also 90, what was Ramsey? 91. 91. All in their 90s. Same age. So, yeah, so you know, uh, you got to love it. You got to love it. Well, let's let's dive into some TV. Uh, I want to let everybody know right off the bat, you know, television is such a fascinating medium and we take it for granted now. Streaming has is, you know, blown everything up to such a degree. There's so much production. Once upon a time, there was a time before computers, before nonlinear editing, uh, <laughs> before streaming, where everything had to be broadcast and making making a TV series was a seriously big deal. You're shooting on film, you're cutting on film mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh there were shows like The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet, which I think we take for granted. Uh, but both of the first two seasons of The Adventures of Ozzie and Harriet are now on Blu-ray. And the thing that all, still floors me about these shows is uh, today, if you get 22 episodes out of a season, that's a lot of work. Mm. Most are now just doing 10 and 12. 10 I mean, 12, yeah. Years, 10 and 12. Yeah. They made 39 episodes a year. Yeah. They burned it out. It was just unreal. Um, so, you know, you have basically 78 episodes in two seasons here, which is incredible to me. That is a, that's just a, a phenomenal output. And um, they did that for 14 seasons. Yeah, so we got 12 more to go. I mean, that they 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 went through 435 overall episodes and we got 78 of them here. So uh, pretty amazing stuff. So this was, you know, uh, an ABC fixture all through the 50s, started in 1952, kind of concurrent with I Love Lucy. Uh, mm -hmm. But it went longer than I Love Lucy. It went all the way to 1966. So it uh, you really did see this family grow up. You saw Rick Nelson grow up. Um, you saw this real life family be very much uh, put it, it kind of in the pre Osborne's pre um, Kardashian era. Yeah. You had a family yeah. kind of put themselves out there. And um, it is an amazing piece of television history. It, it's often maligned, I think, a little unfairly as being, um, you, you know, and uh, this idyllic family that didn't really exist and sort of perpetuating a myth. But but you know what? It's entertainment. And uh, yeah. I give them all credit. Ozzy, Harriet, David, Ricky, they uh, they really nailed it. it uh, it's still a, a beautiful, beautiful part of the uh, part of television history. And this is with the full cooperation of the Nelson estate. Oh. And, uh, I, you know, I watched uh, I watched a few of the few of the first season episodes, a few of the second season episodes, and it's much, much better than I remember it. Yeah, because it's um, I never watched this show religiously. Originally, I watched Leave it to Beaver. That was more my show and the mm -hmm. Andy Griffith mm -hmm. show. Those were sort mm -hmm. of more my speed. But but watching Ozzie and Harriet again, you 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 get something really interesting out of the way that it represents that period in American history, because that's when the Korean War was going on. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, you know, there's still war in the backdrop of this show. And I think that explains a lot of its. Um, a lot of its 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 sensibilities and it's a uh, it's it's really quite fascinating to watch i highly recommend it beautiful transfers on dvd too mm. excellent 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 what do we got let's see uh let's let let me hit some uh warner brothers stuff here got a bunch of warner series um I'm going to pull them all together because we've got some some paramount stuff too but let's start with young sheldon young sheldon the complete fifth season um Show that I've kind of uh, not totally focused too much on, but uh, you know what? I mean, uh, I my mother loves that show. Of course, she loved the Big Bang Theory. 
Yeah, um, it's got a little bit of the same vibe, except not quite as, you know, not so comedic. But, uh, you know, speaking of comparing families, I mean, this is there is there is you can you can kind of see some of the Ozzy and Harriet DNA in this show as well, to be honest. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it's a, you know, a hundred episodes in now. I mean, it's kind of amazing that this sh- I didn't realize this show was like that deep. But, you know, five seasons, about 25 episodes, uh, 20, 20 some episodes a season, 100 episodes. They're finally there. And I got to tell you, my mother's responsible for some of that because I don't I'm, I'm not sure my mother knows that that's a different show. I think <laughs> she thinks she's watching the Big Bang series. And sometimes they have these long flashbacks to when Sheldon was a little boy. I'm not sure she knows. No, mom, this is a whole different show. She's like, you know, Big Bang Theory. I'm like, you mean you mean? And I'm just, yeah, you know, Big Bang Theory with little Sheldon. I'm like, OK. <laughs> well, the, 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 kids, the kid's really good i mean the kid is really good i mean and for those who don't know it's a story of a child prodigy but um it's it's really about it's really a coming of age show i mean the prodigy part of it is 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 kind of a gimmick it's the MacGuffin. it's it's really a coming of age show it's kind of in that same space as the wonder years except it's not yeah. so twee like the wonder yeah. years always hit me as just a little bit too smug and self-satisfied and a little too cute and nostalgic and this this goes for a little bit more of a like a like if if thirty something were, you know, twelve something. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, so anyway, twenty two episodes, fifth season on Blu Ray. Uh, rather solid. Also from Warner Brothers is uh, Mike White's first season of The White Lotus. Um, oh. I think this is a pretty promising show. I, I'm uh, not totally on board, but I like Mike White. I've always liked Mike yeah. White. Uh, and uh, you know, it t- takes place in a Hawaiian resort, which I always like a Hawaiian backdrop. Hawaii Five O Magnum yeah. PI. I'm always yeah. good for the Hawaiian yeah. backdrop. Uh, but it really, it's all about the um, in the White Lotus is the name of the resort for those who don't know. But I like, uh, you know, I think it's been a great move for Steve Zahn, who's kind mm-hmm. of in that late stage of his career. Uh, Jennifer didn't Jennifer Coolidge just win a uh, yeah, just, just one of them. This? Just one of them. Yep. This so good for her. Yep. You know, she's a neighbor. Of uh, of our our dear friend uh, Michael. Oh really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, that's cool. I guess she lives across the street or something. So she gave a but, wacky wacky speech, uh, Emmy speech. I won't get into the whole Emmy thing, uh, you know. But she just went bananas, and they tried to play her off, and and, and she started yeah. dancing to the music that they were playing to play her off. It was a mess. <laughs> but yeah. whatever, go Jennifer, go Jennifer. No, it's uh, it, oh, it's. That's really- it's uh, it, it's 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 got promise, you know. This is an HBO show, and it it kind of has that those HBO uh, sensibilities to it. So it's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. Uh, also, from the Warner end of things, we have uh, the sixth and final merciful season of Lucifer. Uh, oh. <laughs> you know, I enjoyed Lucifer for a good long while there. I know uh, you did. I, ne- I never got it. Before it, it just went sideways. Man, this this is just a gimmick that just uh, it it extended itself far too long. Uh, it really did. But well, uh, it, actually, they killed it, and then the uh, then and then uh, and then a fan base brought it back. And so it was, it was one of those wacky things. But it, no, I'm I, I agree completely. Guys, we're done. <laughs> we're done. It. Oh my gosh! Yeah, just uh, it's just one of those. That's yeah, just a show that. It, it wore out its welcome, I think, in about two seasons, maybe even one season. But oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, we, you only need a season of Lucifer. You're good. Yeah. 
Uh, but we've got uh, we have a DC series also from Warner, uh, Naomi, the complete. Oh yeah, series. Naomi, the yeah. complete series because it is very short lived. It just did not last. Uh, no, no, I, no. They wouldn't get there. They just wouldn't get there with this show. I just you know. Huh, hmm. And and this was this you know Ava was involved in this. Uh, Ava Duvernay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, Ava, Ava strikes me as a feature person, uh, mm. not necessarily a TV person, but, but I, I don't know that that's the issue here. I, I think the issue is that these DC shows, when they've taken off, it's been because they tied them into the Arrowverse. And mm. so they got a little bit of the Arrowverse steam. They got those crossovers, right? So you're watching the flash and, oh, look where we are now. You know, uh, Legend of Tomorrow. And, oh, look where we are now. Black Lightning. Oh, look where we are now. Batwoman. And it, and and the, those shows all kind of propelled each other. I don't think Flash would have taken off if it didn't have Arrow kind of, you know, running mm-hmm. that first mm-hmm. leg of, of, the, of the thing. So, and certainly uh, Arrow and Flash uh, you, you, you were able to keep all those. Uh, what is it? What, is, what, is, what, is, what do they call them? Um, uh, the, the, that, the wacky series where they're flying around through time. Uh, oh, oh uh, Legend of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, uh, yeah. Yeah, which which went through fifteen different cast changes before, it, 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 but nevertheless hung around a whole bunch of seasons. This look, this was not that great of a show uh, in the way it was sort of conceived and executed because it was sort of dabbling around uh, that universe. You know, yeah. in, in the context of this show, it wasn't even clear that the superheroes, Superman um, and, and whatnot, were real in the context yeah. of the show. The characters in this show were it still debating. Too- it was still too much of a tease. It was too much yeah. of a tease. And I think, I think, and, 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 and when I talk about Ava being a feature person, again, I don't know who creatively was responsible for what on this show, but yeah. you, you know, I, I tend to be, I tend to err on the side of that, which is that you should, you know, your first season should be all itch and no scratch mm-hmm. as I like to put it, but it's true. Audiences do like to get a little bit of scratch so they at least know if it's worth the investment. Like, am I going to get any kind of payoff out of this? So if you, you know, you got to occasionally give them something. And I don't think this series, I think it held too much back. I yeah. agree with you. I think it held too much back. And, and uh, yeah, particularly if you compare to uh, what's the one over there with the, with the Pakistani kid, uh, Ms. Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. On on uh, Disney, yeah. On Disney, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, which 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 you know, crank that one. And everything. It's very popular. Everybody, everybody loves it. You know why? Because the kid is Wang. She's got powers. Yeah. And she knows it, and she's and she's at work, uh, you know, using her powers to do whatever she needs to do in her community. Very first, you know, and then and then we figure a whole bunch of stuff out. But yeah. she, but she fixes sure. she gets she fixes it out quick and uh, yeah. and starts using her powers to save the day. Um, so, but this show, a lot of teasing, a lot of teasing. Yeah, yeah you're at it, man. Yes, indeed. Uh, we got a ton of Paramount and um, CBS stuff. Uh, I think you may be uh, a lot because you're you're a Paramount guy. You're a CBS guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, um, real fast, Survivor is still around. I don't know why. I, I don't know who these sadistic people are who who think that any of this is worth yeah. it. Is there enough money on the planet to justify doing this crap? No, for God's sake, since two thousand, I mean, this wacky show, twenty two years. I mean, it's, of this it's goofy nuts. show. I and, and, well, and, and, and to be honest with you, I only ever watched the first season. Well, we're now up to season forty-two, which I guess they do like two a year, right? That's well, yeah, the way this yeah, is yeah, like dancing yeah, yeah. and dancing with the stars. So, so yeah, two two a year. Anyway, we're at season forty-two now. Uh, I can't, you know, I just you. I, I'll be honest. I like I throw this in. I fast forward through it, and all I see are a lot of people who are 
you know, kind of fit, but not as fit as they should be for what they're expected to endure. Yeah. And um, it just, it winds up feeling sadistic to me. Oh, and, um, and, and, and to be honest, all, you know, all of these people are foul. And I mean, you know, yeah, you, you, know, <laughs> you, you people are just all foul. And yeah. I would not want to know any of these people in the real world. And, and, and we I also imagine, have, yeah, we also have Survivor, the Australian Outback, which is basically more of the same, except in in even worse conditions in the Outback. Uh, yeah. This was this is the uh, the first uh, the the um uh the like I think was this the first one outside the United States? Anyway, it started with Borneo, and uh, and then this was the second season. They went to the Australian Outback, so it's it's uh going to you know it's not it's not enough to just go to resort, regular desert island we have to go to really really far flung inclement parts of the planet i don't know <laughs> i just don't i don't you know mark burnett's made a ton off of this so good on him cuz i yeah. would have done that uh queen latifah season 2 of the equalizer yeah um, uh hanging in up. there holding up holding up yeah. holding up the the show look look i i i i watched a good chunk of season 1 uh appreciated it um, I, I think because I have some notions about uh, the Equalizer, the original series, Edward Woodard way back in the eighties, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Then, of course, there the Denzel movies and 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 how they kind of more or less just ignore it. <laughs> you yeah. know, this is and then this series, which is is, is ignoring both the 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 Denzel Washington movies and the Edward yeah. Woodard series. And and the I'm like, okay, series. I know. I'm like, so you people are just doing you're just taking the word Equalizer. Yeah, that's all they're doing. <laughs> And then doing whatever the hell you want. Yeah, that's exactly. fine. But but my palate uh, was all ready for a sort of my guy Edward walking around in that black coat with those black gloves, you know, uh, uh, you know, and just walking up on cats and kind of you know, kind of tell, tell look, man, <laughs> you 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 messing. They, 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 you put that ad in the paper, you know, uh, yep. and uh, and 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 you know, and taking care of the shit. And these shows, the movies and the shows for that matter, and this show for that matter, are, are yeah. not that. They are, no. she is an equalizer. She's an ass kicker. Yes, that's all fine. But it's, it's not, it's not my, it's not my guy I, walking around in that I, coat. I look at it as like the, 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 the Green Lantern core. You just okay. said she is an equalizer. And to me, that's what it is. It is the equalizer core. They are all part of the equalizer core. I know that's cheating, but that's how I justify <laughs> it's, it. It's, uh, a, it's a good way to interpret it. I can't, I can't make the same excuse for Jay Hernandez as part of the Magnum PI core, though. No. Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> no. At season, we're at season four with that. And, you know, I look, it, it, Jay is not Tom Selleck. He just isn't. He's no. his own thing. I have a real issue with this. In fact, let me take you sideways for a second. I guess you just saw the uh, Butch and Sundance TV series announced for Amazon. Did you see that? I did, yeah. Yesterday? Uh, uh, so yeah. so the guy the guy from Top Gun uh, who plays uh, whatever it is, the other uh, the, uh, coyote or whatever the hell his name is, the smart-talking guy who can't stop insulting uh, yeah. right from the new Top Gun. You know what I'm talking about. He's, yeah, the, yeah, he's kind yeah. of the, 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 the new ice man. That's who he is. That guy and uh, Rajon. Yeah, that guy. From, for, yeah. what, Bridger, Bridgerton. Yeah. From Bridgerton. So they are playing Butch and Sundance. Yeah. So, so my, I'm looking at this and my first thought is, okay, uh, Butch Cassidy was uh, a white guy who's the son of British immigrants mm-hmm. uh, born in Utah. I, I do not know how in nineteen or in eighteen sixty six you're gonna get away with dapper dashing 
brown skinned uh, yeah. guy playing that. It, I, but if you want those two actors in the West, then do that. Right, right, write a story. Write a West. story for them. Why shoehorn yeah. that into Butch and Sundance? I don't get that. Never, I've never understood. Yeah, that. And, and if you want to, if you want to, if you want to redo Butch and Sundance, go ahead and redo that, but yeah. do it in a way that is rational <laughs> and, it's, and it's makes like it's, sense. It's square peg round. And it ain't going to involve that brother. It's as dumb as Will Smith playing uh, James, James West. West. Yeah. And and in the Wild Wild West back in nineteen ninety four five six seven whenever the hell they made that movie, isn't it also unfair to the actor because you're digging that actor a big hole that they have to dig themselves out of? You got to explain stuff. Look, uh, and you can, and of course, uh, way back in the seventies, one of my favorite uh, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte movies, uh, uh, Bucking the Preacher. Yeah, uh, yeah, which yeah, we talked yeah, about yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago or a few weeks. Talked ago. about it a couple weeks ago. You know, they they took a movie that they, they, they took a story, that, and the story was really reflective of things that were going on in America in the seventies. But it was set uh, just after the Civil War, and now you have a reason for these two brothers with their yeah. guns and their horses to be exactly. roaming through the old West, doing the things that they're doing. And you don't have to tread on any other uh, uh, yeah, 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 historical territory. Thank you. Uh, and just, just, and just make you, you just make your move. You make your TV and show. And to that point, I think there's a great detective show that Jay Hernandez needs to anchor. But calling yeah. it Magnum PI is really unfair to him because he's aging in a way now that is taking him away. You know, it's like he's aging differently than Tom Selleck aged. Yeah. And uh, I just, I, you know, I think it's, I, I, I mean, I wish Jay Hernandez all, all the best. I think he's a. Oh, you do. And he's done fine. He's made a shit lot of money, money making that show. Yeah. Uh, so, for so sure. good for him. But you know, the only, the only, the only show that I ever wanted to see, re, uh, you know, it, it, it called Magnum PI, would be a show in which Tom Selleck, yeah, is playing Magnum. P.I. He's he's standing. He's, he's walking around right now on that other show. And 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 does Magnum P.I. in that show need to be the young guy running around driving the photographer? No, no. He's but he's Magnum. He's Tom. And he's Magnum P.I. And then maybe and then maybe he's got a team, as you say, a core of young detectives running around Hawaii. You know what I'm saying? And there's your Magnum yep. P.I. And Tom Selleck is still in it, and he's still the only person they call Magnum. Uh, and then you, and then you do the rest of your damn TV show. Uh, but whatever, uh, Jay's made his money. He's fine. So the, uh, now to the final season of bowl and the trial analysis corporation. I think this has been a, a good series. Um, not a great series, yeah. but, uh, and, and, you know, Michael Weatherly's a solid actor. I mean, you know, solid as can be. Um, I, I, I from what I and I have not seen all of the series, I've watched it intermittently, and I think you know there's a kidnapping story here that I think is is very very well done. Um, but this is one of those shows where, and this happens every once in a while, where I feel like the potential finally starts to manifest itself right as they're winding the show down, which is I, ironic. It, yeah, it, yeah, right. It's like the final season, and they're just wrapping it up, and and you go, well, wait a minute, I kind of see, like now this is the you're starting to become the show that I thought that you're starting to find yourself finally. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe, maybe you should just kind of try to go for another three or four and see if you can't, you know, like wrap it up big, but anyway, it, it, solid show. Never, never quite got great, but uh, certainly good enough. Um, speaking of Tom Selleck, blue bloods. Oh yeah. This, there, there you go. Dude, yeah. Dude. 12th season. Oh wow. 12th season. Magnum PI only ran for like eight or nine, right? Yeah. 
I mean, that he's is, done this. That's nuts. I mean, this is this is Tom Selleck's longest running show. That's crazy. That is, that's nuts. But there it is. And and he looks the same as he did on Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, with the, the mustache. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's wild. It's anyway, yeah. I mean, it's wild. Anyway, uh, it does go. Yeah, this it does go to prove, though. I think that there is still a core audience, and it's an aging audience, but nevertheless a core audience that loves a good, solid, classic network television series: ABC, yeah. CBS, NBC. The uh, shows like 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 Blue Bloods and in in, in in the offshoots, of course, all of the Chicago shows. And then yeah. um, you know, the two, three, four, even Michael Weatherly's show we just talked about, Bull, that yeah. would be one of yeah. them. I mean, it's ending, but they had a good run. All of these are classic, uh, dramatic network television shows that are that are solid and, 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 and have had good runs. And, and as we talk about how streaming overwhelms everything, the Emmys just the other day and HBO won a bunch of stuff, and and then you have these shows that don't get nominated. Nobody from nobody from Blue Blood, Blue uh, from uh, Blue Bloods uh, have been nominated for an Emmy in a very, very, very long time. Certainly, no they one's won it. an Emmy in a very, very they long time. They don't need it. They don't need it. But they don't, you know. But but plainly, Americans like those shows uh, because they've been watching it. Like what you say, thirteen years, twelve seasons. Yeah, twelve seasons. It's so crazy. somebody somebody likes those shows. Is all I'm saying. Well, I, I, I think what really works in this show are, are all the character dynamics. They just have a great cast, and the writers write to the actors. They write to the potential and, and what the actors bring to it, and they've just got a great rhythm. Everybody's in sync. Um, you know, Donnie Wahlberg, I mean, who'd have thought that he'd become, you know, the long-lasting TV? I mean, good on him. Good yeah. on him. Yeah, good yeah, on him. yeah, yeah, the Wahlberg boys. Uh, SEAL Team is at season five with David Boreanaz. Uh, there's a guy who just won't, will not leave TV. Yeah. That guy uh, has been on TV regularly I since know. the early 90s. Uh, you, 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 can, you, can, you, can, you can find him well before he played Angel on Buffy, but, but he was there. And then he He's played so- Angel. And then he was the guy in, um, what's that? That's Bones? Bones, right? Yeah, Bones. Yep. And and now how many how many seasons are we into SEAL team? We are five seasons in and this thing is going to go for at least another five. I mean, it just yeah. feels like that's where it's headed. It uh, it's solid. It's really solid. It's like it's like Blue Bloods. It's kind of in the same vein, right? It sort of does the same thing. You got a great team. You got, you know, great bunch of bunch of characters. They're they're really kind of starting to gel. It's all about the uh, the 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 chemistry between them. And uh, I think it's you know, it's more it's it's rock solid for network stuff. It's rock solid. Yeah. Um, I, I think David Boreanaz is fast becoming. Uh, what was his name? Our uh, our uh, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, oh, Quantum Scott Bakula. He's the Scott he's Bakula the of his generation. And Scott Bakula was the uh, uh, Robert Conrad of his generation. <laughs> his generation, yeah, like, like it's, you got your, your Bob Bob Black Sheep and and then oh, uh, and then Bob obviously West. Look, I I go to uh, Hawaiian Eye was the original one. I go yeah. to the two short-lived Robert Conrad shows, which have never been on DVD, and I keep hoping that they will. Which which are both so short-lived, and I love them both. Uh, one was. Um, uh the uh oh what was it called where he plays the uh the old boxer uh the duke the oh, duke yeah. set yeah. in chicago and yes, uh yes, larry yes, minetti that's way back there played yeah, Rick Magnum. that was his first show he was robert conrad's buddy on the duke 
And then there was the uh, spy thing, a man called something. What was it? He was he was a spy and he'd go into the toy store and he'd take the elevator down. It was like very get smarty only without the jokes. Oh, oh wow. it was it was so cool. And it lasted like six episodes. I was the only person watching it. I remember sitting there as a kid. I thought this is so cool. It's Robert Conrad. And he's a spy again, just like on Wild Wild West. Nobody else had my nostalgia. I'm a dork. I'm a total dork. A uh, couple of NCISs here. One of which totally, I had no idea. So I, Tim, these arrive. I'm like, oh, NCIS Los Angeles season 13, still working it. There you go. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, I think Sherman did two of those. You know, a show's been a long time when you, when you start when when an actor can do your show more than once and play different characters. <laughs> I know it's great. You know, that your show's been happens, a long time. That happened. That happens every once in a while. I used to. Uh, so when, when, uh, uh, when Christy was pregnant, we would basically just sit around and watch law and order endlessly. There was always a channel that had law and order, right? You can watch like seven or eight hours of law and order straight. And, uh, when you start doing that and you flip over from Bravo over to, you know, NBC or whatever else, and you're watching all the law and orders. Eventually you're like, wait a minute, that's, the same guest star as somebody <laughs> else you're you're recycling have you forgotten that they, they don't care they just don't care show up oh. your new character there you go but uh yeah. you know what uh chris and ll they got their chemistry they got it down uh they got the whole partnership thing this show is a fine oiled well-oiled fine-tuned machine and uh it's got the i think this may be the best of the ncis's that they've had so far i think it's uh really cool linda hunt does you know phenomenal on yep. this thing uh gerald mccraney i mean it's you know a lot of a lot of really really solid contributions here then i looked uh deeper in the box and i'm like inside ncis hawaii where did that come from <laughs> that's a thing now too yeah. But but of course they spell it the the correct way with the apostrophe. So it's not NCIS Hawaii, it's NCIS Hawaii. Which is what <laughs> no, you're supposed to say if you're going there. They're native. being culturally sensitive. They are. So so have you seen this? Did you no. know this existed? No. <laughs> I didn't either. You know, let me tell you what NCIS Hawaii is. It's Hawaii 50. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it is it's basically what it is it's hawaii 50 um uh, it's kind of better at hawaii 50 than the than the new hawaii 50 they got vanessa in the lead you know and and, and you know whatever they were all right what are you gonna do with the show they said yeah. in hawaii they put a bunch of cute people in you know a lot of crime in hawaii apparently <laughs> Well, the, the the thing that's cool here is that is that this NCIS is stationed at uh, Pearl Harbor. So nah. that gives it right so that it's not they, they didn't just say like, hey, let's just go to Hawaii. Like there really is kind of a there. There's sort of a historical backdrop to it that uh, that is meaningful. But I love the cast. I think they got some great actors. I think, that yeah, some, you yeah. know, they got the formula down and uh, it's uh, it's even got a pretty decent gag reel on it. So. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I'm glad that uh, they've they've got this formula down and that it's still holding down the fort. And there it is. NCIS moves to Hawaii. Yeah, it's a whole look. These shows, the NCISs, the Law and Order orders, the the Chicago shows, uh, they become little little uh, institutions, little um, yeah, uh, little factories, little little ongoing concerns. That frankly, some of these shows have been around so long they've put people's kids through college um, and, and, you know, and, and, yes. and people have come and gone on those shows. And, and um, it's, so, you know, and it's, it's interesting. 
that used to be true way back in the day, you know, the days of Irwin Allen and, oh, you know, all the ones from the yeah. 60s and 70s, Norman Lear and, yep, yep. and uh, all those guys. But, you know, then it went away for a while and you just had all these sort of folk. But now it seems to be back that you have these guys. You can do these. Hell, even there's even Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap is back again. New Quantum Leap. I know. Uh, I don't know why and, doing that. I don't either. And Don Belisario and everybody, the whole, all the, right. He's another one. Donald P. Belisario. Yeah, yep. 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 He, the institutions. Yep. Just uh, nuts, man. Nuts. And then you got Umbrella Academy over there. I, oh, I, I, yeah. Yeah. Got that. Got that for sure. Uh, let me go dig that out. I, I, you look, I, I, I skipped the first one of that. And then I think, what are we on? Two or three, season two or three right now. So I kind of, I kind of yeah. sucked up a whole bunch of those. In one big, and you know, Umbrella Academy is kind of all over the place. It's a little, and at the end of the day, it's this real daddy drama. You know, everybody, yeah. everybody, everybody in the show is just having this big daddy drama thing. Uh, and of course, they figure out a way to 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 take you know Ellen Page and turn her into uh, Elliot. Page it's in keeping in with it's in, in, it's in keeping with the with the show though. The show has, yeah. I mean, if if that were like a thirty something show, you'd never get away with it. Uh, well, yeah, sure. It, it, it's like it, it's it's just so, it but, but the, thing, the whole fucking show is just so, you know. I don't know. Uh, it, it, I guess this is a, this is adapted from a graphic novel, Umbrella Academy. It's just, I believe it, must it be. is. I believe it is originally. Yeah, uh, sort of series, and the, and and they have this whole thing that's going on. With the guy who's on the who's on the moon with the monkey and all this. And so I don't know. Um, it's it's all a bit much for me. All of that, uh, but plainly, it has a it has an audience. Yeah, uh, there are audiences as well to the first two seasons of American Vandal and American Gothic, which um, uh, I, I, I didn't pay overly a lot of attention to it. I will say American Gothic is um, is pretty fascinating because it's based on, you know, it's actually based on a um, uh, apparently something that really, really happened in Boston. And it's a, you know, it's like a real life murder mystery or a docudrama murder mystery is, is kind of maybe the better way of putting it. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I, for, as far as, uh, being able to drag out a murder mystery in a, in the context of, uh, a television series does a pretty decent job, mm. does a pretty decent job. And then, um, American Vandal is a pretty fascinating, you know, this was created by the Hanover high school TV department, right? Mm -hmm. And that I'm like, I, all right, we have high school TV departments. I'll, I'll go with you. And this is, this all starts about six years ago when at that exact high school, they found, uh, some two dozen cars that had basically like, you know, penis images gra graffitied on them. And uh -huh. Yeah, and all of this, all of this zeroes in on one kid who has a reputation for doing this, and um, but says he didn't, and so now you 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 now it creates a mystery like who did, and you think well that's an awfully weird mystery to to create a rabbit hole. I mean it's one high school and it's a very strange thing. It's not like anybody died or anything, mm -hmm. but 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 it's it's more about the people and the process. And what it does culturally to this community and these people, and it's really very interesting and incredibly well done. And it just it it sort of uses this incident as an excuse to explore some of these really fascinating, weird corners of Americana. 
Uh, so I, I think it's a really interesting show. I applaud them for greenlighting it. And uh, American Vandal season one is, hmm. uh, which I guess was on Netflix. So, uh, but nonetheless, a Paramount produced show and CBS Studios produced show. Uh, Tim, we've also got uh, Bionic Woman complete series. Oh yeah, Shot Factory. Look, I really wanted. Uh, look, I, we go back to the Bionic Woman, who of yeah. course uh, is is from you know the Six Million Dollar Man and the extraordinary Lindsay Wagner, who's still extraordinary, by the way. I, I, I don't know why, but she it, just does not age. It's amazing. She's just, she's just fantastic. Uh, and that this is this is Bionic Woman. Yeah, a sort of reimagining of that series. Uh, about a yeah, I, I think Lindsay was a tennis was a no tennis no no. Fan. This is the original. This is the original series, dude. Oh, this, is about the Bionic, this is not that. This yeah, is not, not, not the Bionic new one. Woman, no, oh my god, I am. I know. This is. I'm yeah, telling that, you. That's what, let, let, me, let me show you one with, with Michelle I'm Ryan and Miguel the Pereira. There Look it is the right camera. there. Oh my god, that's our series. That's a complete series. Yeah, I, I, thought, I thought we were talking about this. There was no. a, there was another Bionic series. Yeah, but I know. No, this is. This is this is Lindsay Wagner in the original Bionic Woman series, the uh, the Amy. original series. It's finally on Blu-ray. It's been on DVD forever, but it's finally on Blu-ray, and uh, I I could not be happier. Lindsay is just uh, magnificent, and I, uh, I I I just can't celebrate this enough. Do you remember when this show moved to NBC? That was a big controversial thing. No, 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 I don't remember yeah. that. Six million dollar man had already left the air. This is this is how much of a nerd I am. Six million dollar man was already off the air, and so the only bionic show they had left was a bionic woman. Yeah. And uh, ABC was kind of trying to pivot and and go in a new direction, and they basically canceled the bionic woman, and NBC picked it up, and I think it was I think it wound up on NBC for two seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly, but anyway, uh, maybe, maybe more, but you know, I mean, this thing ran from 76 to 94. I mean, that's a mm-hmm. good long time. And, um, 84. Uh, yes. 84. Sorry. 84. 84. Yeah. 84. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, you know, that, that's a, I think it was those last two or three seasons in the eighties that, uh, that, uh, that, 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 um, where it was on NBC. And it's interesting because that's when they introduced the dog, the million dollar yeah. Maximilian dog. That was an NBC innovation. That was not an ABC <laughs> innovation. Uh, so anyway, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, tons of stuff on here. There's a uh, there are three the all three reunion films that they did after the fact. If you want to get those um, new audio commentaries uh, along with the original DVD audio commentary. So there's even more. You have plenty of reasons to upgrade. And there are bonus episodes, the crossover episodes with the six million dollar man. So when you're with yes. the fembots and and uh, and uh, Bigfoot and all that stuff, you don't have to go. Darn, I got to buy the other box set. Now you're all good. You're all good. Q and A with Lindsay Gag Reel. It's all great stuff. So many great actors came through those shows, man. Oh, so, many so good, actors. so good. That was just the greatest stuff. Um, uh, let, let's talk about Outlander for a second. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I missed this show kind of at the outset and uh, really kind of caught up with it over time uh, because the cast is just so good and they keep showing up in all these other movies and whatnot yeah. and. Uh, I still think the premise is a little bit silly, but oh, uh, yeah, man, you get swept back to yeah, eighteen forty, whatever the hell, in some sort of thing. It's just, it's but it's just awfully, like a, it's like a, 
Yeah, you know, yeah, 1945 to 1700 to 1600. But it's awfully well done. It's awfully well yeah. done, um, you know, for what it is. And it's got some nice little melodramatic, uh, you know, uh, flourishes to it. Uh, so, yeah, you know, Outlander season six, still <coughs> moving on. Uh, did you watch 1883? Uh, that's the uh, Yellowstone prequel. What is it, prequel, I guess it would yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, to the Kevin Costner series. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I haven't seen that one yet. So uh, I, I've never, you know, Yellowstone, I know is like the most popular show of all time. I know people just love it. And it's Costner being, you know, the patriarch. And I'm trying to explain to people it's it's a bonanza, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've been there. We, we, we've done that. My generation already did that. Uh, but um, but uh, so, you know, I will see that intermittently. And I, I had no interest in 1883 because I felt like, why? Um, mm. And then people said, like, no, 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 it's a self-contained thing. You got to watch it. It's its its own thing. Dude, it's uh, hell with Yellowstone. Um, seriously, this mm. is so beyond what Yellowstone is. And part of it is because it was conceived as a self-contained prequel. It wasn't, ah. okay, now let's exploit Yellowstone and do this series and just, you know, take it in its own direction and, and, uh, and you know, get 12 seasons out of it. No, not at all. They're, we're going to do this. We're going to do this as its own limited series and and we're going to bring it to an end we're going to bring it to an actual emotional conclusion and wow is it absolutely phenomenal um this is really amazing i mean taylor sheridan at his very very best here and there's a ton of bonus content that's fantastic um you know it's it, it, it's just it's really really super powerful and uh such a such a great cast sam elliott tim mcgraw faith hill are all mm at the very best ever i mean it's just good stuff so 1883 even if you don't like yellowstone go for it it's really really good mm. really good um let's see what else we got here you got the front. uh what do i see cobra kai did you be yeah uh, you couldn't have convinced me when they started you know yeah, obviously karate kid and all that kind of stuff how many? How many? How many? How, how deep are we now how many seasons of the cobra this is the, kai? this is the fourth season and we're into the fifth now okay. And they started, they, they, it was like a YouTube thing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Basically, yeah, it was, it was YouTube. on YouTube. Yeah. And then it moved over, then moved over to Netflix. And, and here we are. It's, it keeps on going. And if it were on, if it, if it had been on YouTube, it wouldn't have gotten this far. And, and they have really definitely upped the ante over the years with the, uh, with the, um, production value. Uh, it doesn't feel like Karate Kid to me really anymore. I got to be mm. honest. It doesn't, you know, Karate Kid had a certain feel to it. Those movies have a certain feel. This series has a different feel. It may be the same characters. It may be, you know, the same timeline, the same universe, but it's got a different vibe and it's not quite my vibe, but I, it's fine. It's good. Mm. You know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, I guess it, um, maybe if I lived in the Valley, I might feel differently about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. It's a thing, people. It's a It's a thing. It is a thing. Uh, Legacies, fourth and final season. Uh, yeah, watch that. I, yeah, I, I came to Legacies quite late. That started about, what, 2018 or so? Something like and I came, that. And yeah. I came on a, you know, a season or so ago and watched the, you know, the, the season before this one and this, and this, and this last season. Um, you know, yeah, an impressively produced show. Uh, Julie Pleck over there, the sort of creator, producer of that show, which I think is really, really great. The, all of these sort of young women. 
uh, you know, grabbing a hold of these shows. Vampire Diaries is another one. Vampire Academy is another one. It's, uh, I mean, that's the thing, but that's the thing. It's like, it's another one of those. It's like, okay, Harry Potter meets, you know, Monster Squad. Oh, yeah, the school, they're the school. They got their their demons and monsters and vampires and and love interest. It's all, uh, like, as you said before, this is Beverly Hills 90210 with witches and demons. (laughs) It's what it is. Uh, Chicago Med season seven, more Dick There's Wolf. Another one. Man, that I'll tell you, it's just Dick Wolf, man. That guy just it, it, all the how, how many hours of television does is he collecting residuals from? There's it's another just, one. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, but all the Chicago shows cannot complain. They uh, they they keep uh, some people very near and dear to me, gainfully employed and and well paid. Uh, well, Chicago Hope Sherman did two of those too, but Chicago Hope goes all the way back to 90 yeah. maybe 90 I've lost track i've lost 92 track. something like that. that's almost 30 years chicago hope so chicago shows for almost 30 years well that's that's a lot of people in the city of chicago who are working and yeah. i can't i can't i can't complain yeah, maybe about that. i will you worked with um uh, your homie over on who did your movie jason begay jason, jason on yeah. who's you know uh, chicago uh pd yeah, no, he and he shows up on all these shows, but uh, boy, I'll tell you know, I mean, Chicago Med, Chicago Med is solid. Oliver Platt, you know, is they they always get some aging movie star to sort of kind of anchor the thing with some gravitas, and then they surround them with a lot of you know beautiful young people, and they do that here too. And yeah. does it transcend any of those medical shows that we're all so familiar with? You know, from whatever, uh, yeah, well, from medical center to ER to oh, yeah. uh, the few them. great ones, Saint Elsewhere. It's pretty much uh, the same drill. You know, but you know, it, it, the territory has been covered. Yes, it has. And then, uh, real quickly, Flowers in the Attic, a uh, new one for Lifetime called The Origin, uh, which is just in, you know, uh, based on a prequel novel for Flowers in the Attic. It's just, it get you know, it's backstory. It's kind of, I mean, doesn't really, it doesn't really go anywhere that's that interesting. I don't know anybody that was like, I wonder what the backstory to Flowers in the Attic is. <laughs> um those those people need a hobby i'll just say that those people need a hobby uh for history channel we got uh theodore roosevelt oh yeah uh which is which which has <laughs> so you know i i love a dramatization of theodore roosevelt as much as anybody uh because he lived an amazing life and they do a pretty pretty decent job here i mean this is you know four and a half hours long so they really really cover the the span of his amazing life and uh it is very nicely dramatized uh, always amazes me. He became president of 42 cause he didn't look, 42. Yeah. but, but what, what this has, this has a, um, and, and you know, it's good. History channel really spent some money on this. So, so good on him. I wish it were Blu-ray, but it's not, it's uh, just DVD, but I, this is the one that just the, 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 uh, the credit that always kind of floors me. You read this <laughs> from executive producers, Doris Kearns, Goodwin and Leonardo DiCaprio. Like in what universe <laughs> yeah. do those two people work together? I, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, but whatever, you know, there it is. And then very lastly, uh, we got a couple of three movie collections from Hallmark channel. Uh, if you just want to just be goopy and drippy and, and watch just romance, if you want to spend a whole day, just if you're sick and at home from work and you're, (laughs) you're recovering from COVID and you're, you're missing your spouse because you have to isolate for, you know, 48 hours or whatever it is now. Take these two tri- uh, 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 triple features. One has Beverly Hills Wedding, Wedding Every Weekend, and Stop the Wedding on it. 
And then the <laughs> other one has Sweet Autumn, Love on Harbor Island, and Cooking with Love. Just put these on. You will survive. It, this is so much gooey, drippy Hallmark romance. It's like reading those awful novels at the airport waiting for your plane. It's uh, it's amazing. Um, 4K or uh, what do we move to next? Uh, let's, just, let's go to some Criterion, man. Oh, yeah. Only because I see blowout there. Um, uh, uh, for sure, and I'm dying to to know to know what's with the Palma film. So, what do we got here that's new from from Blowout? Uh, well, hang and, on and a second. A new film there, uh, Sound of Metal, and, and that score, and I also that Scorsese World Cinema Project. De- desperate to talk about those. Yes. So, hang on a second. I just knocked everything over. So, let me organize. <laughs> Hold, 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 hold on vamp for a second tim i'm not even gonna push pause like mark used to be you know stop the, don't stop the recording no vamp for a second about why you love blowout uh blow de palma um uh here's the thing about blowout aside from aside from being the kind of movie that you wouldn't expect john travolta john travolta to be in it's definitely the kind of movie you wouldn't expect john lithgow uh to be in and, and both of them are in this movie and it's one of those early john travolta movies uh, that sort of proved that John coming off of, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, what was that show, uh, you know, with the, with the, uh, Warthogs or whatever the hell they were, uh, Welcome Back Hotter. It was one of the movies that John used to prove that he was a for real actor to blow out. Uh, and he, and, and, and he did, you know, uh, he didn't have to dance, uh, and, or any of that kind of stuff. He could just act in the movie. It's also a movie that I think, uh, Nancy Allen, who, I don't know. I don't know why Nancy Allen's impact as an actress. She's always thought of of being sort of like a B movie actress. She's yeah. not. No, Nancy Allen's not a B movie actress. Nancy not Allen is a wonderful actress and always was. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and then and then here you just got your classic De Palma going on. But John Travolta used Blowout uh, to to prove that he was a for real actor, not just a kid from a sitcom and not just a guy, pretty boy dancing in the white suit, but he was an actor, and that's what Blowout was. Well. Called. I love there's a wonderful essay on here by our uh, Lafka colleague, Michael Schragow, and uh, the original New Yorker review by Pauline Kale, which kind of bookend this perfectly. This is a 4K. This is a Criterion 4K, which absolutely the Criterion does the best 4Ks, especially of old when they get to the old elements, you know, the film elements yeah. uh, looks beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely spectacular, especially that amazing uh, opening shot, you know, that that. Uh, that circular opening shot that is just so impressive. What I love about this movie is that it's basically riffing on Hitchcock and Antonioni yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. It's, it's blow. It's, it's a blow up plus, you know, any oh, number okay. of Hitchcock films. And it's so smart. Um, it's just so smart. It also includes the uh, 1967 uh, De Palma feature murder a la mod on here. So mm. you get a great bonus with that. And um, you get an interview with uh, Brian De Palma that was conducted by Noah Baumbach. And I know what it's like to talk to Brian De Palma because the the interviews book, if you ever go and you find, you know, Brian De Palma interviews, mine is one of those that is featured in that mm-hmm. book. So I, I had a great sit down with De Palma at one point, and he is a fascinating guy to talk to. I mean, he's so smart and so just forthcoming. Uh, and there's, there's a uh, great interview with uh, Garrett Brown who uh, was the Steadicam operator that dealt with the, uh, the, all the Steadicam shots here. And this is like early Steadicam days, you know, yeah. this is, this is 1981 right after Kubrick kind of pioneered everything with uh, the shining. So you're, you're still exploring that new technology. It's great stuff. Really great stuff. Um, Sound of metal, uh, which is a pretty recent film gets a criterion treatment here. I, I yeah. don't remember what you thought of the sound of metal. 
We didn't. I, oh, I, I, I deeply appreciated that. that film. Is, this, this is the, uh, the Rizan Med film from Darius Martyr uh, about the, uh, the heavy metal drummer who goes deaf yeah. uh, and, and has to sort of deal with all of that. And, and uh, I forget who the guy was. I think Paul, Paul Racy uh, yeah. nominated for the Academy Award, you know, as, as his as his um, uh, the, the, the guy who was helping him, Joe, the guy that was helping him come yeah. to the deaf world. It was, just a, it was just a whole kind of thing, Matthew Amirik. I appreciated this film quite a lot, uh, actually. Um, you know, probably a little bit overrated. But this film and then the very next year, the film Coda, both happen, have, just happened True. to deal with. Um, um, uh, the hearing. I thought, I thought that that was the most important thing about it. Yeah, bringing, bringing that world... Uh, to to the four and and making it be something that all of us started thinking about. Look, man, I got to tell you, it hadn't been something that I had thought about since those Helen Keller movies from from twenty five and thirty years ago. Yeah, uh, and those two movies back to back, you know, suddenly suddenly it was a thing that we were all thinking about again. And and a, and a really good performance from Riz, who also think got nominated. If I'm not yes, he did. And and I mean, it, the sound design in this thing is very impressive. I think the story, you know, is a little threadbare. Um, this is also a 4k and, and, you know, fantastic execution on the 4k story's a little threadbare for me. It's, uh, it's a little too meandering, but I mean, again, it's kind of a European vibe, but the, um, the character work, the sound design, the central idea, I thought really just superbly executed. Uh, yeah. we've also got, uh, got a couple of older films. The, the semi older film is Exotica. Adam. Oh, Williams. Adam. Uh, yeah. This was this was right at the beginning of his best period, right after the adjuster and right before uh, the sweet hereafter. And Exotica was, I think, a, kind of a little bit maligned. Um, this is back when he was really indulging in that hyper nonlinear editing thing, right? The story's kind of the, the linearity of the story is chopped up all over the place. You never really know mm -hmm. where in the linear timeline you are. And it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think there's a lot of great stuff in this thing. It's uh, it's hard to explain that what the plot is. Uh, it's you know, it's about grief. It's yeah. about a, it's about a man. All his films are about grief. <laughs> they kind of are, aren't they? Um, you know, it involves it involves um, a stripper, and and her role in all of this kind of changes as the film goes on, and you begin to understand things that might seem prurient or or uh, a little bit salacious early on which become not at all that by mm -hmm. the end it's a, it, it's a it's a really interesting uh, psychological journey and i was really happy to see uh, criterion uh, pick this one up uh there's a conversation yeah. on here between Agoy and, and sarah polly gave us not, which is who's become a great filmmaker in her own right it's i was gonna say it gave us i mean mia kushner and, and sarah polly you know as yeah actually she, she has a film right now sarah uh, that people yeah. talk about. What is it? Uh, for women talking or something like that? Yep, it's a it's a new one. It's going to be on our uh, on our awards calendar, I'm sure. And then uh, Henri Georges Clouseau's Le Corbeau is out on a new Blu-ray. Mm. This was out on DVD long before. Uh, you know, this is from 1943. This is one of those great French films from the, the early Clouseau period, right before the new wave took off. And uh, there were only a handful of those French directors that uh, from the 40s who really kind of continued to be productive even into the new wave period and, and maintained their, uh, their reputations. Um, this, like many other films of the period, like uh, Children of Paradise, was made during and under Nazi occupation, made mm -hmm. in 1943. And um, it, it, how they made this film is just really kind of astonishing. The uh, the Vichy uh, government, of course, did not approve of it. 
and uh, it's you know the the symbolism in this thing. Look, although oh, yeah. the the word means raven, uh, by the way, um, uh, and it's and it's the name. It's kind of the pseudonym used by uh, this particular underground figure who's the center of the, the story. And it's all very. It's not even remotely thinly veiled anti Nazi stuff. I mean, mm. it's just it up. You know, uh, it's it very very impressive. And, uh, I, you know, watching it again today, it, it really, uh, it still resonates. It's, I think, one of Clouseau's very, very best. It's on Blu-ray. does not have a ton of extras, but it does have a really great uh, contextual interview with Bertrand Tavernier, who acts as a historian here. And oh, Bertrand, yeah. It all. And also a documentary from 1975. So it's good stuff. Um, the last couple here, I'll save the Scorsese thing to the end. Uh, Takeout. Uh, oh, yeah. Kind of it surprised me that they would uh, that they would release this. This is a, uh, a really interesting film made by uh, Sean Baker and uh, Shi Ching Su in 2004. And uh, this was before Sean Baker was on my radar. Yeah, um, I mean, mine's too, for sure. Yeah, so it's really interesting. Sean Baker, uh, Tangerines, and um, uh, what what was the one last year? Flor- uh, the Florida thing. What was the Florida Project? Oh, the Florida Project and Red yeah. Rocket. The, the kind Red of Rocket, silent. that's right. Yeah, yeah. That that Sean Baker way back in 2004. Yeah, working with a uh, a, a a Taiwanese director um, on a story about you know basically capturing the life of this um, this uh, this illegal immigrant from China who was. Uh, Kind of trying to make uh, make a go of things in New York at a, at a very very difficult time, and all of the just horrific stuff that and and if you know Sean Baker's work, like especially the Florida Project, you see where all of that stuff kind of comes from. This is uh, really a, a fascinating uh, fly on the wall kind of uh, kind of film, and um, done in a in a really sort of Italian neo realist fashion. Uh, but yet also in that Sean Baker kind of way that he would uh, <clears throat> that he has subsequently really solidified. So pretty, pretty solid film. Uh, pretty solid yeah, film. Very yeah. interesting. Very raw. Real very sense rugged. of cinema verite there. Yeah. Yeah. It's very rugged, very rough. Uh, but you can tell that they've, they've got something going on. And then lastly, we have yet another volume of Martin Scorsese's World Cinema Project, uh, oh, Blu-ray yeah. DVD combo set. Um, these continue to be these films that Martin Scorsese just pulls out of the far reaches of the world and and uh, shows to people uh they're films from all over the world all different parts of time that you might never ever have heard of and they're really fascinating so here's what we get uh we get uh sambizanga mm-hmm. which is a film made in angola in 1972 by filmmaker sarah maldoror which is incredibly incredibly good uh i i i'm kind of blown away that there i'm like there was an angolan film in 1972 like wasn't angola at war in 72 isn't it being just torn apart fascinating i mean it's just it's just beautiful texture uh there's an argentinian film from 1939 called prisoneros de la tierra by mario Mm. sofici which is also very very good uh, a 1976 Iranian film, Chess of the Wind, very famous, mm-hmm. made right before the revolution uh, by Mohammad Reza Aslani. Then there's a Cameroonian film from 1975 by the filmmaker uh, Dikonge Pipa called Munamoto, which is also very good, really interesting, seminal African mm-hmm. film from uh, the 1970s, which is where they're kind of trying to reinvent a post-colonial identity, uh, particularly in Cameroon. Uh, Andre de Toth, famous Hollywood no, figure. No, two girls, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, Two Girls on the Street, which he made in Hungary in 1939 before he came to Hollywood. And then lastly, a wonderful Indian film from 1948 uh, called Kalpana by Uday Shankar. Uh, All of these are well worth checking out. It's it's wonderful that Martin Scorsese's uh, World Cinema Project has gone and and digs these things up and, you know, exposes them to people. Because otherwise these movies would just never, ever get get an airing anywhere here. They just disappear and die on the vine. So Mm. beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Wow, man. Um, where do you want to go? Some, some, let, let's 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 do some arrow, and then we'll wrap up with the four Ks, and uh, that'll oh, probably cool. take us to the to the end. Um, Arrow's got a bunch of stuff this this month. We've got another another volume of uh, Jalo Essentials. Can't say that I like any of them, but I know a lot of people do. <laughs> so we'll never don't don't mind me. That's always uh, been a, it's always been kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, I know. It's it's it is what it is. Uh so the um the the films here there are three of them. Uh the the the, the one the only one that I could kind of really stomach was uh the the killer reserved nine seats. And that's because I just think it's the funniest weirdest title ever. Uh <laughs> it is. It's just it's hilarious. Um, but you know, the, these have all been, I mean, look, they're all just giallo. They're all, um, very nicely restored, but it's, if you don't, you know, if, let me put it this way. If you already bought the previous volumes in this set, go and get this too. Uh, if you didn't, yeah. there's no reason to, this is strictly, it's not even really worth trying to review the plots or anything. Uh, the sacred spirit. You ever seen this by, uh, Kima Garcia Ibarra? No, no, sacred I don't, spirit. I don't know Gosh, man, I tell you, Arrow finds such fascinating, weird stuff. Uh, they really do just these very strange um, kind of European cult films, European uh, exploitation cult films. This is from a uh, Spanish filmmaker named Kima Garcia Ibarra, who apparently is like a major cult figure somewhere. And uh, I can only say, like, it reminds me, uh, it's very kind of... Um, it's not gore. It's not giallo. It's not in that vein. It, it's 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 kind of like a. Um, it's almost a Palma like uh, mm-hmm. in the way that it sort of um, it gets inside the the very weird psychology of these people, these un, these the these various characters, and it feels like a De Palma film until you realize that it's a UFO movie, and that's mm-hmm. when it takes this weird sideways uh shift and you know it 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 it, then it becomes like all about you know alien abductions and all this other stuff but it's it still has this like weird de palma vibe to it so i don't quite know how to how to kind of do it justice um they have a quote on the on the box which is i don't necessarily agree with this but i thought it was funny it's sort of because they had a hard time explaining it too and the quote on the box is it's as if Ken Loach and Aki Karazmaki remade the X-Files. <laughs> now, I was going to say the X-Files have got to be a reference in there somewhere, but okay. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't necessarily agree. I would say it's almost as if like maybe Brian De Palma and uh, you know John Sayles remade the X-Files. That might be okay. a better way of doing it. But, but nonetheless, that made me laugh. Ken Loach and Aki Karazmaki, I don't know who came up with that, but good on you. It's hilarious. Um, I got a few others here that are uh, that are a little bit obscure. Japanese film uh, Tomo Uchida's Fugitive from the Past. Um, you know, pretty uh, pretty 
you know, uh, Tomo Uchida is not that well known here, but he's a good, solid uh, Japanese crime filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, this takes, you know, this takes place in 1947. And uh, it, it, it gets into, you know, like there's a typhoon and all the aftermath of the typhoon. And, uh, you know, it gets turns into kind of a Japanese noir and uh, feels very kind of uh, German expressionist imposed on Japan. And it, and it becomes a much more expansive story than you even think at the beginning. I mean, it really stretches on through time. It's really quite fascinating. And it's never been on uh, Blu-ray or DVD outside of uh, Japan. So it's, a, it's quite a thing. Apparently the, um, apparently, the original novel that this is based on is 1,700 pages long. Oh, my. I know. So I recommend watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, don't, man. Don't. Uh, Hell High. Uh, Hell High is, you know, it's a friggin' slasher movie. It's it's got a cult following. It's ridiculous. It's totally absurd, but it gets it gets a beautiful treatment from Arrow, uh, and so does uh, the Righteous, which is uh, which also has kind of a cult following. Um, it's very very artsy. It's very European, but uh, you know, uh, Henry Cherney is very very good, and it. it's got a ton of extras on it, and uh, you know, probably worth for if you're if you're a genre fan, if you're a horror fan, if you like supernatural horror, you'll enjoy it. And then uh, the last two I want to really put a little bit of uh, oomph into. One is 4K, and that's Flatliners, the original Flatliners. Keeper oh, wow. Sutherland, Julia Roberts, and Kevin Bacon, 4K. Yeah. Yes. Everyone maligns this film. Tim, I don't remember what you thought of this. No, I actually reviewed that film in 90-whatever-it-was. One, two, yeah. 90, 90, maybe yeah, 90. Like was that. it 90? Yeah, uh, I I so. and, uh, and, and gave it a pretty good review. Uh, if, if, one of Joel Schumacher's best. Yeah. I love this yeah. film. Yeah, I thought this was a great film. Uh, I mean, it, it, it kind of came in the wake of all those movies about what happens when you die or when you're near death, whether it's Ghost or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jacob's what, Ladder. What, what, what dreams may come, all that, yeah. Yeah, and it was, and they were all either scripted or co-scripted by uh, Bruce Joel Rubin at some point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, this I, I, I just think this is really, really cool. And, and in watching it again, I had forgotten, you know, Joel Schumacher just directs the hell out of this, but it's also really shot well because Jan de Bont was the DP. Oh, I'd really? Well, that. there you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah I've you know, forgotten. Jan, that. of course, went on to make the big crazy movies, the Twisters and the, uh, the yep. Speeds and uh, all did. that. Yeah. Well, 4K is born for this uh, for this transfer. It's uh, all that, all those harsh, harsh contrasts and the harsh, you know, fluorescent lights and the way this thing is shot. It just really, really pops. It's beautiful in 4K. Uh, really, really worth checking out. And so is the uh, the sound design. It's fantastic. Really good. HDR is first rate. And then lastly, on Blu-ray, uh, two running out of time films by Johnny Toe. Johnny Toe uh, has kind of picked up the gangster baton and carried it on much longer than John Woo ever did. And mm. he's making some great films. And running out of time, uh, one and two are, are just uh, absolutely terrific. Both of them are here together on one set. Uh, if you're a fan of Johnny Toe's and a fan especially of these particular films, you've got to see it. Um, Frank Jeng does the audio commentaries on here. Uh, pretty good. I mean, I you know, he, I think he misses a few things, but that's because I'm a nerd. Uh, but nonetheless, really, really great stuff. Um, Lao Ching Wan and Andy Lau, great. Andy Lau is, you know, not his best, but this might be Lao Ching Wan's best, best work mm. ever. Better than uh, any of his other stuff. Um, let's do the 4Ks. The 4K. The Kid. Is that the old Bruce Willis movie? That they're talking this, about, or are they, uh, talk, are they talking about Char- Chaplin? No, no, no. This is the this is the Ethan Hawke, uh, Dane DeHaan movie. 
Oh, yeah, okay. I was wondering because there, there are a lot of them, you know. What, There's what a I lot mean? of them. Yeah. I mean, I was I was thinking about Bruce, and and and, and when I saw that, it popped into my head that it might be that. No, in fact, movie, in fact, yeah. I'm gonna. Uh, it's it's funny you mention that. So I'm gonna uh, let me let me just address these these three really quickly because these are all um these are all Lionsgate uh, 4Ks. Lionsgate has is taking a really interesting 4K strategy, and they're um. You know, everybody else is doing either like your big tentpole blockbusters or they're digging into the classic films and going for the cinephile thing. They're kind of going mm. one direction or the other. And just about everything else here is is in that vein, except for these three, uh, which is that uh, Lionsgate is basically saying, you know, what, we're just going to take some really good rock solid mid-level action and genre films that are popular. And we're going to see if we can't sort of penetrate that core audience with some 4k because those people they they kind of were 4k early adopters so these mm -hmm, three films mm -hmm. are uh gerard butler and gamer the kid with ethan hawk and mm -hmm. uh directed Cage. by vincent d'onofrio if i'm not mistaken right uh, uh did vincent d'onofrio direct a kid I th yeah i think yeah vincent, he did I think he sure did you're right he yep. did i'd forgotten that i'd forgotten that yes he did um he did a good job i mean it's it's yep. it's solid you know it's solid um I mean, it doesn't transcend the Western. Chris Pratt is is terrific in it, a really, really good. Just the Billy uh, Kid movie is all and, it is. And, yeah. Well, yeah, and and Ethan Hawke plays Pat Garrett, right? I mean, yeah. we've seen the story, you know, uh, a million times, but it's it's nice to see a different take on it. And Dane Hahn is is you know is a, kind of a tough guy to cast sometimes, so um, that's solid. Uh, and then Gamer with Gerard Butler, maybe the most interesting film that he's done in years. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's I mean, it's kind of it's kind of what he does. It's his thing. But, you know, that gets the 4K treatment. And then lastly, Nicolas Cage in Primal, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, it's a freaking Nicolas Cage movie. What do you want? Well, you know, uh, in, in, in Gindi, uh, Samurai Jack. Samurai Jack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh so anyway that's the Lionsgate strategy for doing these things is going there but uh then you get the you get stuff like um cat people which is where where scream factory and shout factory have been going and mm. um i thought the okay, paul schrader cat people yeah, uh from, 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 from hmm, yeah collector's edition 4k and hd and blu-ray and um you know i thought okay that's a really interesting choice because that's one of those 80s movies like yeah. Nosferatu, right, where they took an old movie and they remade it for the 80s genre moment. And uh, and it worked. I mean, I yeah. think the original Cat People is not the least bit interesting, but I think Schrader did something really fascinating with this. And uh, Nastasha Kinski's great, and Malcolm McDowell's great. And uh, I remember this getting a lot of mm. coverage in Starlog at the time. Yeah. And uh, you know what? The fork well, really, Natasha, really looks good. Yeah. 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 4K, 4K looks Natasha great. was just so ridiculous. And, and the audio so commentary with Schrader is terrific, too. A lot of it do with people couldn't. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Um, what else we got over there? We got Bell in 4K. Oh, the animation um, from um, yeah. uh, Moramu Hosoda. Uh, which which Charles, yeah. our 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 colleague on on Film Week, uh, truly truly loved and and and, and said uh, that he would have chosen as the best animated feature of that year. What what are we talking about? Last year? This is last year, right? Yeah, it was just last year. Yeah, I mean, it's basically yeah. an anime Beauty and the Beast, but it's a wonderful movie. And uh, I wish they'd come out with the with this earlier because it came out in a really nice Blu-ray set just a few months ago and now they're coming mm. out with like a 4k uhd and a lot of people are going to be a little bit upset that they've got a double dip or you know mm. switch up but 
it's kind of worth it. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, Hosoda does beautiful, beautiful animation work, and the the added resolution it makes a difference. It really does. The cell work mm-hmm. just really, really pops. It's beautiful. Uh, they got some new stuff on here, the including a sixty page booklet and promo events, uh, and uh, and then you know a little information on how they how they dubbed it for the uh, for the for the dub version. Um, but yeah, the booklet's really nice. It's a very, very nice set. Uh, it's just, I, I just think it's unfortunate that people have to kind of, you know, trade up at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you mind popping over to the, uh, to the original six movie collection? The yep, Star guys, Trek? Got it in my hands. Collection. Got it in my hands, brother. <laughs> right here. You, you know, I am. So I know. Um, you, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the, it, the, when they came out with, um, that, the, what was it like the first three films, the whole search for Spock thing. And they, they didn't, mm-hmm. they didn't do the full first six films. I was like, you know, come on. <clears throat> we got to get you know four five and six out of this thing too and so they finally do all six films finally in 4k and blu-ray uh multiple multiple versions a piece i was going back and forth a little bit with a uh, longtime listener al lie over and and he, al was just kicking my butt on this because he he was you know he's like there are three cuts of star trek one uh are they all there and i'm like dude I, i've lost track of all the different cuts of star trek one i i really have <laughs> I've kind of lost track of them. I, 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 and I kind of only want the, the original theatrical cut. I don't want the Robert Wise director's cut anymore. Um, no. cause they put it together after Robert Wise was dead. So I don't know yeah. how it's a director's cut. The yeah. original theatrical cut. That's what I live for, but they're all here. Everything is here in one set. Um, to my knowledge, nothing is missing. Maybe somebody wants to correct us at gods at digigods.com. I've searched the forums. I've checked everything. Doesn't seem to me like, uh, this is missing anything. But it's great. They're all the first six films. And I don't, you know, I'm mixed on a lot of these, but I really, I really love uh, uh, one and I love five. I'm pretty okay about six. Uh, Two, I'm not a fan of, but I understand why people are. Three, I think is terrible. Four just makes me want to cry. I think it's so goofy. But, you know, they all have a following. Well, you know, I live in 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 the exact same spot as what we were talking about before. For me, it has to do with moments from each of the films. There are grand moments. Wonderful moments from every one of those films, even the film, even the ones I don't particularly care for. There are two or three moments that are just wonderful me, for me. You know, why does God need a spaceship and and uh, yeah, and and, and uh, let them die? And, and, right. Uh, you know, and I just work my way through like that. And what film is it from? I don't know. <laughs> but, that, but, but it's a beautiful moment and I love it. Yeah. Spock in the giant uh, sunglass case. <laughs> I love that. All. It, 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 you know, it was a good run that when that cast came back, I mean, that was a, that was a cast of a, of a TV series that ran three seasons and they came back and made six movies. Yeah. That's, all, all 20 years older and yeah. not able to use any of the, I, I know we're going to move up, but, but not able to use most of the elements that they used on that TV show, which had to do with being young and sexy yeah. and running around and jumping around and kicking and fighting and oh, who are aware and like, oh yeah, we, we lost in the shell not too long ago. And you know, and all the, you, so it was this young, sexy, and but they in the movies they weren't young and sexy, no. so the, they had to bring a gravitas to That's all it. of the movies That's because they, because this wasn't going to be about you know knocking them out and and wearing that short skirt that yeah. wasn't going to work. So they, and they did That's they it. did it for, for all those movies. Yeah, love it. Uh, real quickly, there's also a 4K of the Fun House, uh, which again is part of the Scream Factory Shout Factory strategy. Go back to those cult films. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Fun House. Uh, you know this is this is one of those Toby Hooper one-offs yeah. that just it's it's like halfway between 
uh embarrassing and horrifying and it's it, it i don't know it just it, it is what it is it's uh it's just a certain kind of 80s era slasher yeah. gore thing that that you know enjoy it in 4k i certainly don't but it's it's out there um minions the rise of Gru from illumination yeah. fantastic collector's edition here in 4k with the uh, movies mm. anywhere code on it universal's illumination just nailing it <coughs> going to, going uh, above and beyond once again with the uh the uh this particular franchise to where i don't think anybody expected them but you know it's a it's an origin story but you know what the only reason you're watching this is because of the minions because those yellow bastards are just hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. And and uh, and and on that note, uh, my daughter's soccer team, they wear yellow jerseys and they have named themselves the Mighty Minions. <laughs> well, there you go. So that tells you. The it, tells you was, they, they, it penetrated. It penetrated. Oh, it penetrated. And the most imp- impressive thing about the uh, about the Minion thing is that they they beat Pixar. This opened more or less in the shadow of uh, Lightyear. Oh, uh, and it yeah. Stomped it. It yeah. stomped it. Yeah, yeah. Disney's yeah. got to step it, it, it up. Partic- particularly considering that both of them were going to the well for what? This is what the third or fourth Minions yep. film. Yep. And yep. you know, and obviously, so it's not like it's not like they 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 both haven't been to that well quite a few times. But you know, the Minions are cute and ridiculous. Yep, they sure are. Uh, DC keeps doing great animated work in 4K, and the DC Universe movie Batman The Long Halloween Deluxe Edition is no different. Uh, could have held on to this for Halloween, but why? It's out now. And, uh, you know, it's well-written, it's well-animated, it's uh, well-conceived all the way through, and it's got, you know, all the usual characters in it. Uh, Mad Hatter is particularly interesting. Um, but it's basically, you know, a feature length Batman adventure and, uh, it's on 4k and it sounds great. They've just really mm. put their money into that thing. Uh, three more here, uh, of note one, this is the weirdest one. And I'm curious to see if you, you have any recollection of this. Do you remember the movie drive, not the Ryan Gosling drive, but, um, a, a a drive from the late nineties, nineteen ninety seven, directed by Steve Wang, and yeah. starring Mark DeCasco. Do you remember and my, this? And my boy Kadeem Hardison. And the, oh my and gosh! And, and the young late Brittany Murphy. Uh, God rest her soul. Uh, Dude, yeah, I remember that movie. You're you're, you're <laughs> a cheat. You're a champ. I am. I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I watched a lot of bad movies. Uh, this movie was actually a lot of fun, though. Um, as 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 I recall it. Uh, it, it a sort of enhanced human kind of thing uh in a a chinese hitman and they they have to drive this whole damn thing man yes steve wang wow well it it it, it's a this is a really weird kind of genre mashup i mean it's uh it's you know it's a a little bit of a cop film a little bit of a superhero film really kind of interesting i don't know why steve wang didn't have a bigger career thereafter but anyway it is out from 88 films and film rise and it is on 4k and uh there you go it's another one of those those nostalgic cult film things that people want to do. Uh, yeah. Dirty Dancing, 35th anniversary on 4K. Oh, wow. Um, y- you know what? Don't put baby in a corner. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I still don't understand <laughs> why this movie was so popular, but I don't know. I mean, truly, <sighs> why was this movie such a big hit? What do you think? I, well, you know, uh, uh, there was a nostalgia thing going on for, for, for things related to the 50s and the 80s. Um, um, yeah. uh, and, 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 and this was set in the fifties. Uh, the, and we had, uh, we had a whole bunch of the, there were a whole bunch of that stuff that was just going on. 
uh, then. I don't know. Uh, but but there it was in that song, of course. Um, uh, you know that yeah, those, those songs the song. were just making a comeback, and it was just one of those kind of things happening, man. Hmm. Emil, like, guys, I can't. Re- I don't. I don't. I can't think of anything else. Emil. Uh, I can't think of anything else. Emil made. Uh, Emil died well, young. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. I, I keep hoping that they somebody will release a double feature, and I know they won't because there's no reason to, but a double feature between this and the French comedy uh, Heartbreaker. Now, Heartbreaker, the actual French title for it is so much better. Mm. It's L'Arnaqueur. And L'Arnaqueur mm. in French means like a swindler. But they spell the word Arnaqueur differently so that the cœur end of it is spelled like heart. So uh. it's a pun. It's a wordplay in French. It's it's uh you know it's it's like thief and and heartbreaker all kind of mashed together. Anyway, Dirty Dancing plays a significant part in that movie and it's hilarious. And if you watch Dirty Dancing and then you watch Heartbreaker right after it, you will be on cloud nine. It's just the greatest thing ever. It's so much mm. fun. I don't I, Last, I don't know what I was thinking about with Emil. Emil Emil is chances are three yeah. men and a little lady, not three men and a baby, but three men and a little which three my friend Charlie wrote. Though. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's uh, yeah, about that. Yeah. And he also directed Sister Act. Um, um, oh, did he? Um, okay. Uh, Emil. Yeah, and he, he, that's '92, and he died in '93. So he, you know, oh. but there, you know, he did all right. He did all right. All right, Tim. Let's talk about the last 4K Elvis, uh, and then uh, we'll wrap out with just a couple of new films. Um, uh, how do we feel about Elvis? Boz Lorman's big gigantic. I wrote a very long review for Cinegods, which is a yeah, which people should check, check out. It's a really, good, a really, a really great piece uh, that goes deep into the whole thing. And of course, Thank you. Uh, I, 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 I came to Elvis a little bit later, and and deeply we had talked about it. And the question that I had asked you when we were talking about it was how Elvis's relationship to the black community was handled by, you know, Baz and Sam yep. and Craig, you know, all the writers. And, and, and you told me, and, and you were absolutely right. It's, it's really, really wonderful uh, the way uh, those writers uh, delved deep into that and made it a central part of this story in this movie. Uh, yep. This this film understands that Elvis was built in the black church and in his black community. Elvis lived in the black community. Yep. Um, and this, this film not just acknowledges, but, 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 but illustrates how all of that it was integral to who he was and how B.B. King and, and, and all of these figures, uh, Little Richard, you know, were, were integral in, in, in helping him figure out that he was going to have to be who he had to be. Uh, and I had always known that. And, yep. and, and, and a lot of that had been mis interpreted misconstrued over the last you know 40 years since elvis died uh and i'm really really glad that this movie is the corrective to that um, I agree. um so so really good stuff it's you know that what, what i say in the review is that this movie is a little bit like watching somebody racing for a bus and then finally catching it the first half of the movie just blazes through the first half of Elvis's life. I mean, it's like he's, you know, he, he records some songs and then he goes to Germany for a minute and then he comes back and he has a Hollywood career, which is dealt with in about 30 seconds. And then you're, you're, you're like an hour and 15 minutes into the movie. You're like, holy cow, this movie is not stopping for anything. And then you get to the Elvis comeback special. And they, that the comeback special is about an hour and 15 minutes long. If you saw that in 19, whatever it was, 1969. Mm. And, this movie recreates about 45 minutes of it. Yeah. I mean, it sits there and it suddenly slows down and spends a good long time on that comeback special, which I thought was a fascinating choice. But if you know Boz Lorman, you're like, well, of course, because, you know, 
lamb chop black leather sequin Elvis is going to yeah. be a lot more interesting to Boz than than you know Jailhouse Rock Hound Dog Elvis. Yeah. Um, and it 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 but but I do think it's you know the, every Elvis movie and miniseries has been um, interesting in some way. I I do think that um, I think this you know is probably I mean is it definitive? No, but I don't know that anything can be definitive. I think this is. Uh, this is the maybe the the, the one that will, that gets most inside the the soul of the guy, especially the the late stages of his career. And um, I think Austin Butler is, is good at the as the early Elvis. I think he's amazing as older Elvis. I think he's amazing mm. as older Elvis. So uh, either way, you know what? Boz just uh, Boz is responsible for I think, I think five of the all time ten most successful films in Australia. Mm. This will not change that because he's bumping himself off the list right now. At number ten, <laughs> strictly ballroom. So he's just bumped himself off the list. He's still responsible for five. But uh, you know, that's interesting thing about the movie. You know, the name of the movie is Elvis. Elvis. The name of the movie is Elvis. But in some ways, this movie is about Colonel Tom. Yeah, played by uh, uh, Tom and, Hanks. And, and, and Tom Hanks, and and, and you know, in, in in that particularly affected sort of way. But of course, it's one of those situations where if you go look up. Colonel Tom, and he's all over the all over YouTube. You can find Colonel Tom. He 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 didn't shy away from cameras. Very strange man. Uh, I I think Dutch descent, if I'm not mistaken. He's yep, Dutch yep. or something like yep. that. And he had a very strange way of speaking. And, and and he was fairly old when he met Elvis. And all of that's very odd. And you're watching this movie, and you can't help but but you know uh, notice all of that. And it, and it requires quite a affected performance on the part of Hanks. And of course, the movie is mostly told in a voiceover from Colonel Tom's perspective uh, about him and Elvis. So, in some yeah. ways, I think I think, I think what's, if there's anything about the movie is it's the title. It probably ought not to have been called Elvis. Um, I think somebody told me somewhere along the line it was called Elvis and Me, or maybe that's a whole different movie. But uh, you know, Colonel Tom is the thing that sort of dominates uh, this movie, despite Austin Austin's really great performance. Yeah, we got. To, I and I agree. And it's it's on 4K and uh, it's got movies anywhere code. And uh, you're gonna you're gonna it's it's a wowzer. I mean, for for if you've got a great home theater system, audio, picture, big TV, the whole thing, man, this will just this will stretch the whole system to the max. It's it's mm. loaded with extras and everything else. It's beautiful. Um, few new movies really quickly to get to here. Murder at Yellowstone City is a, is a really really solid western. I mean, we were talking about uh, 1883 earlier. Um, this isn't 1883 territory, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really solid. It's, it's, mm. uh, very interesting. It's a noir basically set in, uh, in Yellowstone city in, you know, Western times. And, and it's interesting the, the way that it, I mean, it's kind of a whodunit, but it's really more of a noir and, mm. uh, it, 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 noirs that are set in the West, I think, you know, and there were used to be a few of those, um, back in the sixties too. And and some maybe in the seventies, but there's a really interesting vibe to them, and I and I I like the vibe to this one. I think it's a cool cast. I think um, I think it's a really interesting cast of characters. I think it's very very well paced, and uh, it's a uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, Richard Dreyfus, uh, yeah. Gabriel Byrne, uh, Isaiah Mustafa, Thomas Jane. That's a you know uh, that's a good bunch of people. That's a really yep. that's a solid cast for a, for a good western. So. Uh, murder at Yellowstone City on Blu-ray. Really worth checking yep. out. Yep, 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 yep. I thought that, that should have got a, a lot more play. That Yellowstone in there, I think, confused people. Yeah, I think it did too. You know, but you know, titles are titles. Yeah. But I think that word Yellowstone in there confused people. Anyway, yeah. 
Uh, we've also got a collector's edition of Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, based on a, a, a beloved old book that was once done for television with Angela Lansbury. And uh, this new one is with Leslie Manville, and it's just absolutely beautiful. It's it's really, really a sweet film. I love it. Um, it's basically about this just this this housekeeper, this lady, this you know working class British housekeeper, who has a chance to uh, take kind of an idyllic vacation in Paris, and it it winds up um, putting her in touch with uh, the the very very famous Dior uh, fashion house at a time that's kind of critical in their history. Mm. And uh, it's a fairy tale. It's a Cinderella story, but it's a Cinderella story about a, an older single lady, an older war widow. And it's just beautiful. Leslie Manville has never been better. Uh, and Isabelle Huppert shows up in, you know, the French portion of it. She She's just amazing. Uh, totally understands that she's playing second fiddle. Uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is just absolutely delightful. This is one of the few kind of grown-up movies that we have shown to my daughter. And she loved it. She absolutely yeah. loved it. And Anthony, Anthony, uh, shout him out. Anthony is, a, is an alumni of your school. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's a UCLA boy. Yep. yep. Boy. Very much so. Uh, did Anthony Fabian of, the director. Did yeah. you see Phantom of the Open? Uh, oh yeah, uh, that was not bad. Um, uh, let me see. Let me, uh, yeah, it was, it was all right. My, Mark Rylance, you know, I mean, it's a golf movie, and golf movies are always yeah, kind about, of yeah about the golf. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. And 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 he was kind of um, he was kind of considered for some award consideration. Last year, it's about it's about it's about a guy who decides he's gonna he's gonna play in the U.S. So he's a terrible golfer, just terrible. <laughs> he, he uses all kinds of shenanigans to get himself into the Daggum Open year after year after the year. British the British himself. Open, yeah, the, the British Open. Sorry, yeah, the British yeah. Open year after year after year. Suddenly becomes this thing between him and the guy. How they're gonna try to keep him out? But he keeps getting himself in there, and his little wife. Uh, who's playing his wife? Uh, uh, Sally Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins, who's just so supportive so of him, and it's your year. It's your year. <laughs> but it's not it's not see here. this is i mean i think it's a it's a little threadbare of a story but i love mark rylance and sally hawkins and i really like reese Iphens. i think you put those three people into any story they just make it better they just yeah. make it better yeah. so yeah i thought this was i thought this was fun phantom of the open i think it should have done better but COVID is still kind of you know shooting a lot of stuff down yeah, a little movie uh, like that years ago though it would live right in that space with uh the big monty and and the man who went up a hill and came down a mountain. Yeah, and just, yeah. You know, all of that. All of those wonderful little movies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a few more here. Uh, we've got uh, another movie that kind of got a little bit overlooked and, and wouldn't have once upon a time. But what a weird trio. Tim, if I were to say to you, you know what? There's this great new movie. And it stars uh, Juliette Binoche mm. and Morgan Freeman um, and, uh, and Frank Grillo. <laughs> which, which one of those does not belong? <laughs> Frank, uh, what are you doing in the movie? <laughs> you have to... But what, uh, I don't, what, what the hell is Frank doing in the movie? Uh, you know what? It's a grindstone movie, uh, but but it's a grindstone. That's what he's doing in it. It's it's, it's yeah. basically a Frank Grillo movie, and they decided to invite Juliette Binoche and Morgan Freeman to be part of it. Mm. Um, but at least there are no talking animals, so that's a step up. No, it's a it's a it's a thriller, is what it is. But it's a better than average grindstone thriller. Uh, you know, human trafficking and whatnot. Juliette Binoche doesn't really belong in this thing. I'm not quite sure why she's in it. Um, Morgan Freeman is is solid. You know, it's 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 one of those kind of gruff characters that he's so good at uh, at playing that he plays an F, you know an FBI guy, but like an older grizzled one of those grizzled old detective guys that he that he's so good at doing. Like a, like if the if the if his character from Seven were 
you know, um, <laughs> 25 years older. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's human trafficking and, uh, it's, it's basically a thriller. It just feels a lot better than it is because they have a couple of actors that they normally would never have been able to afford. Paradise um, Highway, Paradise Highway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, and then last one, uh, Gabby Giffords won't back down. Uh, this is from the, uh, the directors of RBG and, um, uh, you know what, uh, this I is really, actually, I really like yeah. this movie. It's it's good, right? It, it cracked me up. Uh, she's she's tough. Uh, she's yeah. tough. You know, she, she took it, and and she really won't back down. Uh, so you know, um, yeah. um, uh, perseverance. I think is the word that just makes sense when you talk about. It. I got shot in the head, of course. Yeah. And uh, and uh, what was what it was 20, 2010, 2011, something like something that? like that, something like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, and you know, partially paralyzed and, yep. and left with yep. that sort of language impairment and all that kind of stuff. Just rolls on, man. Just rolls on. Um, uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, a, a, a neat movie with a lot of with a lot of interesting people. Right? But at the center of it, it's her. And these are the same folks who did that wonderful uh, doc on uh, Ruth Bader uh, Ginsburg, uh, uh, RBG, RBG, notorious RBG, or something like that. And, yeah, and people should, you know. And, and and the thing is that you know as as with RBG it's it's very easy to go like oh it's you know it's going to be a partisan documentary but it's not really nothing about this yeah. is partisan I mean this is a lady who was in the wrong place at the wrong time got shot in the head and uh, and she's just strong and she makes an amazing comeback yeah and, that's um, what it's about it's about it's about her perseverance uh, and, yeah. uh, and, and and it could be anybody and it would uh, and it would still be a wonderful movie in that time. yeah yeah very good. All right, with that, we are done, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be back soon. We, we, we still have our other podcast thing with Mark that we are working on fine-tuning. Stay tuned. We'll be sending out more information on that as that slowly takes shape and becomes a reality. But uh, otherwise, uh, be well, and, uh, and uh, hopefully everybody has a wonderful fall. Thank you.